0: Welcome to the Radio Rally on the Clubhouse app. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, and hearing stories from an amazing radio pro, as well as uncovering the path forward in radio right now. Plus, I have a feeling you're gonna get a few tips on this episode as well. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brand, coach your morning show and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs if you need it. We will provide excellent voice trackers when necessary as well, sales and promotional ideas that move the needle, and we're talking about revenue, and a lot more. We're confidential and market exclusive for radio. Reach out anytime if you have a question, a concern, something that bothers you about your market, a problem that you can't quite get over the hump. F O R D at rainmakerpathway.com. Today's live event will be a podcast called The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and will become available soon after the end of this live event wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and Just Joe Productions for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. You can meet our guest, and of course you can do that live here on Clubhouse, or you can subscribe to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. What in the world is gonna happen on this event? Well, it's April 11th, 2022, tony garcia is here he's the founder of global media services and the co-founder of now media we're going to get into that with him in a few minutes but i want to share a couple of quick things with you number one next week on monday on the radio rally right about this time we have a guest called eddie fox eddie fox is with k uh, i'm sorry wksf in Asheville, north carolina he does mornings he's also on iHeart Custom Format, iHeart Custom Format Country Favorites as well. We're going to talk to him about that world and his morning show and what makes it special and unique and what he feels is the important thing you need to bring to mornings in 2022. Did you know also that we encourage radio sellers and sales managers and market managers too? It's true. This event, now listen closely, is coming up this Thursday, just a few days from right now, April the 14th. We're launching our next radio sales exclusive live event. So if you're not in sales, you know some people in sales, share this event with them. Let them know that this is happening. It'll be free on their smartphone for market managers sales managers and local radio sellers we are calling this particular event getting higher sales now in a crowded market and it comes at a most appropriate time this is where the hitters are gonna step to the front of the bus if you know what I mean this event will feature sales consultant Alec Drake from Drake Media Group in Dallas and also get this Dave Deutsch, the president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney, the vice president of Capital Broadcasting, will be with us. These two real on-the-ground experts are developing revenue right now for their radio stations, for their clusters, and for their companies. They're going to share with us directly how you can boost your Q2 and remaining 2022 revenue April 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Clubhouse app. We have these guests every week on the radio rally you can see our full guest calendar the whole thing all the way through i think we're scheduling people in june right now you can get this in our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com by the way that's also where you'll find encouragement for on-air and promotion with our more than live and local guest series and even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our encouraging sales success series as well as free resources. That's right, free resources. For anyone in the radio business or audio business today, we do not lock away anything on our site the way some other consultants do. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime, see what you can get for free from our team. Please do follow the people on the stage during this event and also look around the room for people you might connect with here tonight as well. We are here to encourage you in your broadcast career. We promote networking with others in our industry as well, pretty regularly. Today's guest is, uh, uh, listen to this, co-founder of Now Media, LLC, and Global Media Services out of Castle Rock, Colorado. I always wanna say that, Castle Rock, Colorado. That sounds like the movie thing. Maybe we'll get tips on that too. Tony, welcome to The Encouragers, The Radio Rally. How are you, sir?
1: I'm well, Lloyd, thanks for having me uh, uh, join you today.
0: We're so excited to have you. You know, the entire journey for you starts in an interesting place. For you, that starts at New York University. You have a degree in film, TV, and radio. Mm -hmm. You are an honors graduate. You, of course, worked at WNYU Radio. Can you take us back to your days at WNYU? What was that like?
1: Uh, it was an it was an amazing time. So I started out um, just to sort of give you the sort of the full picture. I started. I, I wanted to always be in TV news. Um, from when I was a kid, I was the anchor man at my junior high TV station, and I did the morning announcements and and uh, did national news stories. So I always wanted to be. In, I, I thought I wanted to be a TV, you know, a TV journalist. And then I got to I got to NYU, and they uh, it was sort of like the Marine. It was like, yeah, you're not good enough to be in the NYU journalism program. and You've got to you know, have a 4.0, and you've got to be this and that and the other if you're even going to get an internship. And so um, yeah, a little bit disillusioned, I stumbled into WNYU. And um, sometimes you're, you're more uh, lucky than smart. And I showed up at WNYU at a, at a time of transition. The radio station had been playing, you know, progressive rock, you know, playing Neil Young records and album rock and whatever. And, uh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever was going you know. Fine. And um, there was a, there was a management change at the radio station. And we decided that since this is a radio station that could be heard in New York City, no one in New York City was playing what was then called new wave. And so um, so a format change was made.
0: Interesting. And look, it's not like you started out in, uh, in Dubuque or something, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it was, it was interesting because no one was playing that music. The big rock stations at, at the time were all, you know, Springsteen and Stones and whatever was big. You know, at the time, this was uh, 1980. And um, we started to get some traction with the radio station, because it was the only place you could hear uh, Depeche Mode. It was the only place you could hear um, The Cure. So the station got a little bit of traction. We got a little bit of, of notoriety. And um, and some of the folks that were, were there, um, as we sort of focused more on being professionals, Uh, than being a college radio station. And so we started to recruit some folks from New York radio to teach courses uh, in in radio at NYU, Uh, including um, Richard Muir, who was the program director of WNEW FM at the time, Um, Charles McCord, who was Don Imus's newsman for years and years and co-writer on some of his comedy, Um, and uh, a guy named Dennis Israel, who was our broadcast sales and management uh, teacher. And we learned a lot. We learned a lot from those guys. And a lot of us who are in that little class, that little group at NYU and at WNYU have gone on to other things. Um, uh, our former program director is currently the program director of the NPR station in Los Angeles. Um, and probably, I guess, our, our probably our most famous alum. Of that era is Martha Quinn, who was one of the original VJs on MTV, and who's now doing uh, shows for My Heart. It's a great time to, to be, there. be there. I kind
0: of get the feel there are a lot of secrets in your past. You know Martha Quinn. Hmm. So listen, so you wanted to be Walter Cronkite, or you wanted to be um, Dan Rather, and mm-hmm. they kind of told you, "Hey, you're you're not bonafide." It's kind of like showing up at Juilliard and wanting to be part of that and they kind of shifted you over here, right?
1: Well, yeah. you you, um, you show up at Juilliard and then you find out you're not very good at playing the recorder and um, you decide you're going to do some some other things. And so, a, a couple things happened sort of simultaneously. The first part of it was um, I actually heard myself on the air uh-huh. and, um, and I sucked. And if anybody wants, I'm happy to send you a copy of the cassette air check to prove how much I sucked, and um, and so you know we started looking at other things, and at the same time, um, we, myself and two other partners, um, one of which is has passed on, and another is no longer in the industry. Um, we we decided one night it would be really interesting if Casey Kasem were to be doing an alternative countdown. And a friend of mine did a pretty a pretty good approximation of Casey Kasem.
0: So oh imagine
1: God. you know, imagine Casey Kasem introducing the dead Kennedy singing holiday in Cambodia. Oh, and gosh. and uh, from that idea a show called Wave Breaker uh, was born. And we um, again, because sometimes there's a real advantage to know to not knowing what you don't know. And oh it's not knowing, true, isn't it? Right? And not knowing what you can't. And I think sometimes as, you know, as older adults, sometimes you should put aside the fact that maybe you can't and just go for it.
0: And oh, but that's so, so hard to do as an older adult
1: though. It is, it is because you've got so much baggage and you know, so, there's so much riding on things. And when you're 19 years old, maybe not so much. You yeah.
0: started according to your resume as a desk assistant. I cannot wait to hear about this. What does that mean? What did you do?
1: In the old days, they used to call it copy boy. And basically what you do is you ripped the news stories off of the AP and the UPI wire services and you handed them to the news editors. And you you erased tape parts that had actualities on them and recycled them. And um, that was what we did. Very um, interesting. So you went from that to uh,
0: account executive. Were you good at sales initially or was... What, what well, is
1: I, got, I, I, got, I got good at sales because when we were at NYU and we created this show called Wavebreaker, um, not knowing what we didn't know, I sent a letter to Billboard Magazine and said, hey, we've got this show called Breaker, and we're going to syndicate it. And little did I know that one of the editors at Billboard, a guy named Roman Kozak, was a huge fan of WNYU and put us on the front page of Billboard magazine. And all of a sudden, all these radio stations started calling us up, all college stations, calling us up, wanting to know if they could get Wavebreaker for this college radio station.
0: Oh, this and, helps you understand the direction of your career from the very get-go. Right.
1: And so we, we were able to obtain a list of college radio stations. Right. And in, in a year and a half, we had 80 college radio stations carrying Wavebreakers. But I didn't make any, but I didn't make any money doing it. So I needed, I needed a paying job. So I was a desk assistant at RKO. Okay.
0: Okay. Look, in rapid fire, the next things that happened for you in your career, you worked for Progressive Radio Network. Mm -hmm. Then I noticed you were the affiliate relations coordinator for the Wall Street Journal Radio Network. What was Mm -hmm. involved in that job for you?
1: Um, That was, uh, it was interesting because I was a 24 year old kid and I was selling um, financial news to mostly news talk. State. In those days, there wasn't even really a format called news talk in those days. It was MOR uh, right. or it was AC with a, a heavy service. So a lot of the three letter, you know, a lot of the three letter stations, um, you know, well, the WWJ. It was heavy and it was, uh, it was interesting. I learned a ton um, in my two years at Dow Jones. I learned a ton with the wall street journal report. Learned how to present, and uh, one of the folks that I, the man that I worked for there, was a guy named Bob Rush, who's uh, passed away a few years ago, and is uh, was uh, sort of classically educated. So um, the formal writing piece of it, uh, in terms of how to address a business letter, how to open a business letter for somebody you know versus somebody you don't know, um, uh, was invaluable. And he was a great seller. He was a great salesman. So, you know, I would say he's one of the one of the guys um, that, you know, I learned a lot from uh, before him at Progressive Radio. I worked there for a couple of years with a gentleman named Bill Quinn, who knew affiliate sales, but also knew ad sales. Uh, And uh, I owe a lot of what I've learned to Bill Quinn.
0: I got to tell you, people that don't know you, people who have not met you don't know what an incredible resource you are, what an incredible person you are, and how diligently you work on details. This is a fascinating part of your personality. You know, while a lot of people in our industry have worked on sales or the programming side, you seem to have naturally chosen positions that involve affiliates and making people happy was, uh, what, what has this taught you over the years?
1: That it's not always easy to make people happy. That's what it's taught me. <laughs> um, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think it gives you the ability to sort of understand, I, I think had I not worked at radio stations, um, um because I did, and not worked uh, as a call screener and as a desk assistant um, and as a fill-in on-air person at my hometown AM when I was, Uh, when I was in college, that if I hadn't had all those experiences, I don't think I would be able to do my job as well, because I understand what happens in the traffic department, I understand what happens in the news department, I understand what happens in the programming department uh, and in the sales department. So I think that gives me the ability to to sort of be able to understand both sides of it. Obviously, we want a product on on the air, we want to clear a show, but here are the obstacles to clearing yeah. that show, yeah. you know, I can't, hey, I can't get the sales department to give me the inventory or, you know, or whatever the objection is. It just helps you deal with those objections and understand those. And I think when the person on the other side of the phone knows that you understand that, um, uh, that they appreciate that. That's right. And
0: look, I'm gonna say this. Uh, there are a lot of examples of this. All of us have run out across frustrations in our career. We're thinking, what the heck am I in this job for? I will never use this again, blah, 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 blah. But you are a really great example of what happens to many of us. We end up, every piece comes together to take us where we're going. You were the Mm -hmm. Director of Programming Sales for United Stations, Director of Mm -hmm. Programming Sales for Unistar Radio Networks. Mm -hmm. Would it be true Mm -hmm. to say that, maybe you've forgotten more about putting deals together for programming and radio than any of the rest of us may
1: know? Well, I don't, I don't know about that, but I've cleared some stations. Ah. And I had, you know, I had, it was, and again, again, it was a little bit different time then because it was pre, it was pre the evolution of computers inside radio stations. Right. And, and so uh, a lot of the weekend programming that we had in the time that I was there, which was 60, six zero, specials over the course of the year, as well as 23 weekly shows, countdowns and, and weekend specials. But in those days you needed those things at a radio station, you know, there were stations that would run three or four country countdowns from three or four different syndicators, because that was preferable to, you know, having some part timer that may or may not have been reliable operating the board, you know, running the board and and doing it in airship. So, you know, those were different, those were different days. And so, um, you know, as, as the technology has evolved, it's, uh, there's not as much of a need for right. that quantity of, you know, of specialty programming uh, on the weekend. So that's a little bit different.
0: Well, this next thing is really interesting to me because it stands out as unusual, or at least it stands out as unusual to me in your career path, and you'll be able to clear this up for me. It's not what it is, it's its location. I see that you were the syndication director of Randall Riley Publishing in Tuscaloosa.
1: In Tuscaloosa, Alabama. All places. Now- you didn't realize that Tuscaloosa was the hub of all network radio? I'm shocked, really shocked this. To, to yeah.
0: yeah. So, so listen, then you were the senior account executive for CRN International. Did those jobs give you more depth of experience, or simply sharpen your feeling about the direction uh, you wanted to move in your well, career? I, you
1: know, I think the experience that um, the experience at Randall, uh, Randall Publishing, or it's Randall Riley now. The you know, I learned how to adapt. Um, the company did some really interesting things in terms of creating products based on advertiser needs. So I learned something there. And then at, at Sierra International, International, um, that's the company, uh, most people know that company is the company that used to produce the, uh, the Hormel ski watch reports in the winter, especially if you're stationed in the northern half of the country. Um, but they also were a media buying company. So uh, I spent a couple of year, years there and I got to learn how to buy media. Which I'd never done before. I was never a media buyer before, um, so that was really interesting because I got to I got to be hands-on in the buying process in some big markets. I bought Atlanta, New York, Detroit, Boston, um, so I, I get to negotiate rates and and put advertising schedules on the air, and that was one thing that I had never done before. Um, so it was an interesting it was an interesting piece of the you know of my of my background. Although I have to say. That was not one of the things that I was passionate about. Um, mm. I was not passionate about being a media buyer. But again, so it gives you a
0: different layer of experience, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, right. you know, I'm going to use that experience even today. Yeah. So look, since we
0: see that your career arc has gone in a certain direction, we must sort of ask, do you have or have you had a mentor in our business? If so, can you share a story about how they may have changed your life forever? either at home or at work
1: yeah you know, i don't think i don't think i've had one one mentor i think there were two or three of them um and i'll go through them in pretty rapid succession bill quinn who i mentioned bob rush who i mentioned um i think we're, were you know instrumental i think probably um the person who had the most impact uh, on me in terms of interpersonal relationships in terms of management was a gentleman named rick jackson who ran the Charlotte cluster for uh, Lincoln Financial and Jefferson Pilot prior to that for about 17 years. And I was there with him for about 12 of those 17 years, maybe 13. And um, he was just, because he was from programming, and one of the things that uh, Jefferson Pilot, I thought, was pretty generous with was promoting programmers into the general manager seat, which in a lot of companies doesn't happen. And so he was able to look at things from a programming standpoint, but he was also one of those individuals who somehow got people with different interests um, into the same bus going in the same direction and was really inspirational. I don't mean inspirational in the sort of, you know, religious sense of it, but inspirational in that here's where we're going to go. Here's why we're going to go there. And communicating that from the receptionist all the way up the chain and everybody, everybody going, yeah, yeah, we're with you. So I think as far as, um, as far as mentor, I think that's probably the closest to, to a mentor that I have because just watching him every day, walking around the building, talking to people. Very knowing, smart guy. Knowing every, a very smart guy. Knowing everybody, you know, all their kids' names and that kind of thing. Uh, which you don't see you don't often see that so you know i think he's probably uh, on that list of a lot of of a lot of people um who are decent uh, just decent human beings and good managers and i think i would be remiss if i didn't mention gary freeze who was uh you know his last position was at the, the ceo of the rv but he came up to radio and was a salesman and small medium and larger markets and finally was a station owner uh, and I got to work for for a couple of years at Unistar and a, a really, a really great, a really great broadcaster.
0: You know, it's really interesting. We like to throw the spotlight on mentors and that kind of relationship because, well, we're the encouragers mm-hmm. and we say nobody does a career by themselves. You, you have people who help you one way Absolutely. or another.
1: Um, Absolutely
0: i want to talk about this because i think a lot of people especially because you don't fit in the programming side or the sales side in the traditional sense this is kind of a new area for us to have somebody like yourself on to talk about your world and how that world kind of clicks together and helps so many people. This business has been changing. Some would say forever, by the way, I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not suddenly changing here, okay? What are the good changes that have taken place, Tony, in the radio business?
1: I I think it's more of a business than it has been before. And that's got the good and bad, right? Right. So it, because it's a business now, everybody's focused on shareholder value or net operating profit or whatever, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm been doing this long enough to, I remember when chiropractors owned radio stations, they changed the format every three weeks. So, you know, so consolidation has brought a little bit more professionalism into the radio industry in general, in my opinion. Um, you know, there's always exceptions, but I think in general. Uh, that's been one of the, the things in the, in the radio business. I, th- I think the other thing as we evolve here, I think one of the things that if there's anyone who listens to this who is uh, talent, I think we're, we're approaching a time when talent is going to be more highly valued than it's ever been before.
0: Well, we're going to see that. I hear, uh, I hear that noise happening, and I hear a lot of that. I still don't think that enough attention is being focused on developing that talent. Listen, you got Mm -hmm. super involved in a situation in Charlotte that involved what I might call uh, untraditional and very superb talent. We, We talked a little bit about how the business has changed. Bob and Sherry and Matt and Ramona gave you special opportunity to sell social. Non-traditional and endorsement campaigns, among other things, what what is the key to letting clients see the multi-dimensional depth of really good talent and leveraging that talent in very unique ways?
1: I, I think first of all, it's understanding what the talent brings to the table, and then allowing them to do that. Um, we had a very unique situation at WLNK in that. Um, that radio station, despite the fact that it is a 100,000 watt radio station in Charlotte, North Carolina, had always had challenges with musical images. And uh, Bob and Sherry came along and they had phenomenal numbers in Morning Drive. We did a syndication project. There were any numbers outside of Morning Drive until we found Matt and Ramona and recruited them. They were working in Norfolk and we recruited them to Charlotte. And it took less than a year for that show to be number one. And so we became a personality-forward radio station. In fact, we we service marked the term "personality AC" because we felt like we were. It was sort of a hybrid. I think that's the easiest way to say it. A hybrid where the music was the music was part of the station, but the station wasn't about the music. The station was about Bob and Cherry and Matty and Mona. Well, and, and to be
0: fair, and to be fair charlotte is a very complex environment from a radio standpoint
1: absolutely
0: a lot of big morning shows it absolutely it is, is. over indexed in that area you are not no. safe you're not safe to say well you know we got a really great show i'm going to put it on soon and come number one no Good it's honor. not
1: no it's not enough you've got ace and tj and you've got john boy and billy and you've got um you know on the countryside you've got these juggernaut morning morning shows particularly on on WSOC, which has been in the format for 60 years, long so, time. Yeah, a really long time. So yeah, and there's a heritage of big morning shows. Jake Connors came through Charlotte. Oh yeah. Um, so there are, you know, there is this sort of heritage of big morning shows going back, God, 50 or 60, maybe longer than that years. Right. So there's uh, a
0: big expectation of talent in morning. Absolutely. Drama.
1: That bar is high. That bar is high. They're looking for talent that's going to bring it every single day. And I think that what what we did with uh, and continue to do uh, with Bob and Sherry uh, is still somewhat unique in the business and that we have a show that is produced and targeted toward adult women that has a woman who is in the lead position. Right. Right. Um, that was Bob Lacey's idea, by the way. That was Bob Lacey's vision for that radio system.
0: And we talked about how smart Bob is. And he, by the way, did, and we did. You, listen, you said that Bob doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I found that to be, that made me smile because I think sometimes that Bob doesn't really want the credit.
1: I, I think there's some truth. To, I, I mean, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, he's never been one of these guys who, uh, you know, wants his name in the trades every week. Nope. And, you know, and, and the idea being, look. There's women out there who are listening to the radio. There are women out there who are married to guys who are kind of jerks sometimes. And as as a husband myself, I can attest to to the truth of that. And, And let's give, you know, let's create a space in which we can have a woman that connects with women. And let me just get out of the way and let her do her thing. And, you know, sometimes Bob is the butt of the joke. But in the case of Bob and Sherry, which I think is also unique, in the case of Bob and Sherry, the entire audience knows that Bob and Bob is the butt of the joke.
0: Well, let's talk about this for a minute, and I, I haven't pre-approved any of this with you, so I might get myself in trouble here. Uh, I, but I think that the statute of limitations is kind of over on a lot of this <laughs> stuff, so I think I think I'm, I'm going to be okay. So I want to I want to ask kind of a gaming question here. Okay. So can can you tell us? The very complex recruitment that brought Sherry to the Bob and Sherry show, because you know, it, it, it's uh, it, it, <laughs> I wish I
1: wish I could say it was complex. So, so it went. This predates me by a couple of years, but it, this, this it goes like this.
0: No, but this will show Bob, how smart Bob is right
1: here. Bob, right? Bob had this vision for the radio station, and. Uh, he had he had been on WBT AM, had been number one there, had 20 plus shares, 26, 27 shares there. They moved him over to television. And for a decade, he was the Charlotte local host, but also the kicker guy for a show called PM Magazine, which predates Inside Edition and all these other things. And it was a primetime access show before stations started putting Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy in there. And uh, after about 10 years... Uh, Westinghouse folded PM Magazine, and they brought back Bob to what was then WBTFM, uh, it was a struggling AC station called 107.9, and so Bob had this vision, and they kept rotating in and out these individuals, uh, all men, and it, it just wasn't working. And so, um, as a cross-plug for WBTV, which Jefferson Pilot owned at the, at the time, they sent in one of their producers, Sherry Lynch, to talk to Bob about uh, some programming change or something happening, happening on WBTV. And he got in there, and there was just sort of this instant chemistry. They were playful with each other. Bob would serve up something. Sherry would smack it back to him improvisationally. And... Uh, then he brought her back the next day, and people would be like, stop in the hallway to watch what these two were doing. And so Bob went to management at Jefferson Pilot and said, hey, this is this is the one who I want. Uh, I want Sherry. And they were like, no way. She's never been on the radio before. And he's like, that doesn't matter. She's funny. She's the right person for this job. And uh, he, threatened to, he threatened to quit and go across the street to a competing AC station and finally the folks at Jefferson Pilot relented. And um, he said, okay. And they're like, okay, we'll make a deal with her. And he said, but before you make a deal with her, she gets paid exactly what I get paid. And that was 30 years ago. And so, to this day, they make exactly the same to the penny. Exactly all right, so the the, penny the,
0: look, this story is important for anybody today because if either you've been in a situation, if you're partnered up <clears throat> or somebody wants to put you with a partner or God forbid you should be in a successful morning show and a partner dies or they split up or whatever. You're gonna be at the whim of consultants and corporate VPs who are gonna be telling you, well, you should be with this person or you should be with that person. And some of these things are quite nightmarish.
1: I would agree with that. I think that you can't you can't you can't force chemistry. You can't put two people together who don't have chemistry and expect it you know, expect it to work. Oh, you, can, you, can put, it
0: you can put them together, but uh, then you're going to have trouble.
1: Right. Don't expect it to work. And I think the other thing, and this is more for talent people than for management people, you know, I would say, don't let them divide you. I right. think one of the places where talent make a mistake, and I know we're trying to be positive here, right? A, 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 but I think what happens is, you know, management tries to divide you up. If you guys think back 20 years, um, the cast of friends all got paid the exact same amount. And there was a reason for that.
0: Yeah. And they get million bucks a year too. Right.
1: Exactly. And yeah, I'll forget about the residuals. Right. So I I think it's the same thing here. I think that if you're going to be a team, be a team and, um, and and get, you know, if it's a male female team, get paid equally, make sure you get paid equally. and Negotiate those contracts together. Because you don't want you don't want management to separate you. Because management, look, management's going to try to get the best deal well, they can and get. Well,
0: I also think that's the sign of what kind of company that you're working for, too. Agreed, agree. Okay, if Completely they're trying to divide and conquer you, uh, that that's a problem because you're all supposed to be on the same team, right? It, so, yeah, yeah. so listen, I am going to talk about your depth of experience with this particular product in a minute but I got to take this left turn for just a second because some people will listen to this, especially in the podcast, and they will have had some involvement with this or something like this, but you actually know a lot. Can you tell us about regionalhelpwanted.com and what that experience was like?
1: Yeah, sure, um, I, um, I, I left Bob and Sherry and uh, the company that was formerly Jefferson Pilot and became Greater Media um, to come out to Denver uh, and, uh, head up a company called regional health life. And at the time I was there, we had about 300 localized websites where we did rev shares of radio stations. So the radio stations in the market would run our ads in unsold inventory. Um, we great ads, Dick Orkin did the ads, to uh, oh, yeah. uh, sadly gone, but a genius. We do the ads. And then as the websites generated revenue from employers posting ads, we would then take that revenue and split it with the radio stations in the market. Uh, we had about—I don't know—we probably had uh, by the time I left, we probably had about 400 sites, 400 individual markets in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, and it was—it was—it was interesting. It was a great experience because I never—I'd never before worked with developers, uh, with web developers, uh, and so I got a little insight into how all that works. And, but the function of my job. Uh, part of the functional my job in addition to being sort of the affiliate relations head was also, you know, the product manager, making sure that we were on the right path developing and implementing uh, improvements on improvements on the website.
0: Here you are leading uh, examples of how your past informs your future, if it will be. And, and so let's talk about today a little bit. I, tell us about Now Media LLC.
1: Sure. Um, so in 2017, um, I had uh, actually I'll take you back one more year that in 2016, uh, I sat down with Bob and Sherry and they were disillusioned. They had had in a period of seven years had five different owners in their careers at 107.9 The Link. They had 17 different program directors Man. And, uh, and their contract was coming up. And they were like, we're not sure we want to do this anymore. And I'm like, well, why? And they sort of told me why. And I said, well, well, what if we were to buy the business? And they were like, we can do that? I'm like, yeah, we can do that. We can at least try. Did you know
0: that you could do that?
1: Yes. That I knew we could do because I I had built the syndication of Bob and Sherry. So I understood where the dollars were. And I understood where the revenue could be, um, because I, I literally built it from zero to where it was uh, at that point. And so, um, so I did. So we sat down and we put together a proposal, and that we presented to Intercom, who owned the station at the time, and um, were able to work out an arrangement by which they continued to have Bob and Cherry. Um, we kept the fact that we were independent on the DL so that it didn't fluster anybody inside the radio station. And so for all intents and purposes, it was still the Bob and Cherry Show. The only difference was that the affiliates were sending their fees to us. Uh, they were running spots. They were still running spots for Westwood One. The only difference was Westwood One was sending the checks to us.
0: So you know, this, this sounds like the radio equivalent of when Ray Charles got the rights to his own masters and when <laughs> in the 90s, got his rights to his own masters. You, this is like the holy you, grail, isn't it? Listen,
1: you have to own your own stuff because, you know, again, I'm not trying to throw management under the bus here or all managers, because there's some really good managers out there who understand that when a deal gets done, everybody's got to be satisfied. Or even, or put it in a different way, equally dissatisfied. Well,
0: well but, wait a minute. How about we but, say it this way? How, how, just to stay as positive as possible, how about we say there are a lot of great managers, and that even with the greatest manager, it is not quite like
1: owning your own thing. You got to own well, that, and that's my point, boy. You got to own your own stuff, and so, you know, you we, and we've seen this in the trades. Just recently, there was a, a morning show that got into some trouble and got taken off some radio stations and they could, they couldn't even, they couldn't even put anything on their Facebook page because they didn't own their own Facebook page. And I think that, you know, uh, that, that talent are wise to own their stuff. I think talent are wise to, uh, you know, to throw in together. And if that requires even developing an LLC, I think that those things are critical because, if for some reason you're shown the door, you can get shut down everywhere. You can't even use your own name. And so uh, I think it's really important that um, that the talent understand that uh, and the ramifications of that as they, as they go forward um, because it's a different time now. It's not just you're on 95.5. You're now on 95.5 and their stream and the podcast and the social media and if, yeah,
0: look, you have to be careful. It's not just one going away.
1: It's everything goes away. Yeah. That's
0: right. And you have to be careful because when you sign a legal document, you are signing a legal document.
1: document right. And so, one of the things that was very important to us as, as Sherry and Bob and I had this conversation was IP. We need the intellectual property. We need to own that URL. We need to own that 800 number. We need to own that social media. And even if it meant giving up a little bit on the salary side, on the compensation side, we knew that that would be—it's it's you're taking the long view now, right?
0: It's right. a long game. They bet on but, themselves,
1: but you do, and you're always, in my opinion, you know, you are always better to bet on yourself. Or put another way, you know, give yourself an opportunity to win.
0: Right. So, So I I want you to, and maybe this is mingled, I'm not really sure, tell us about Global Media Services, because you do both of these things.
1: I do both of these things. So, uh, I I founded Global Media Services in 2014, and the idea behind it was to be an independent rep firm for syndicated shows. A good friend of mine that you may know, Lloyd, is a guy named Skip Jokel, and he lives Mm -hmm. about 40 minutes from me down Colorado Springs and for years he's had a business called talk shows usa where he reps i don't know half a dozen i think maybe talk shows and that's all he does he just does talk shows and i looked at that model and i had a couple of conversations with with skip and i said you know i think i might want to i want to try this so when uh when regional help wanted was sold uh, the private equity people sold it to another owner and it was relocated back east my position was eliminated so that created an opportunity for me to do global media services um, and that company, uh, I represent uh, a rock morning show out of Greensboro, two guys named Chris that you might be familiar with, Lloyd, um, mm-hmm. which is a great show. It is a fantastic show that's uh, uh, owned by Dick Broadcasting Company. Um, I work with a company called Sun and Fun Media that does barter, um, vacations, and gift cards and bill pay for radio stations. Um, and then I have a small production service, which I call the Radio Spot Shop, where we help stations who uh, are in small, medium markets that just need more voices. They they need need some female voices or they need some male voices just to vary up. And, and, And I'm sure you talk about this with your client is you can't have the same spot with the same voice uh, yeah. Put it this way: you can't have the same voice on every spot on your radio station.
0: There's so yeah. many things like this that are valuable that people don't think about right up front. Yeah. That they, yeah. with a little good guidance, their their product can improve vastly just with yeah. decisions like this one. Uh, right. Uh, right.
1: A little tweak like that. We also provide writing for, for stations. So you know, if you're you know, if you've got everybody, including me, we all can get burned out, or we all can fall on crutches. You know and so you know you drive around and you listen to radio stations and every spot starts with when it comes to (laughs) and then right and then the name of the product and whatever so sometimes just a different writer taking a different approach with a spot can make a difference in, in the results that the advertiser gets so that's what radio spot shop does so those are the things that fall under the the banner of um global media services we decided to keep now media and global media separate because Bob and Cherry was an existing, you know, it was an existing show and an existing yeah. business, and he's made sense to have two of them. It sounds bigger than it is, frankly, but, you know, we just needed for, from a business standpoint, we to keep those things separate. Well, me, separate
0: it does sound houses. like you're, it sounds like you're doing a lot. I want to know, you know, what do you do in uh, your spare time? <laughs>
1: Is that where the um, trains come in? That's where the trains come in. That's where the train. I got I got my first uh, train set when I was I think ten years old. My dad got it for me for Christmas, and there's only been a few years when I haven't had some sort of model train layout. It was under my bed when I was a kid, and then uh, then when I was in my first my first real home, uh, I put up a layout, and I've had a layout in every home I've lived in, uh, including now, um, where I. Uh, i just enjoy i enjoy the It gets you out of your head and i think it's, it's different for everybody but it's nice to have something where you sit down for a couple hours and and you get out of your head and you focus on something else whether it's i don't know building a box car or laying track or uh, or building a model building um painting it whatever you know for me that gets me out of my head um i'll close the door you know in the fall i got football going saturday college sunday, uh, sunday pro and it's just a it's just a time where I sort of I, I don't want to use the word reset but more again just get out of get out of the head a little bit and yeah. focus on something that has nothing to do with radio or talent or spots or anything like that.
0: Well, I, I've got one more question for you here, and it's pretty simple. And I'm going to let you off the hook in advance, okay? Because I, I'm going to say this: nobody knows the future. I get it, you get it, we all get it. But I think people are curious, especially people working in our business, are curious about the future of radio. How do you see the future of radio and the future of radio talent?
1: I I think we are. I, I do think we are coming into a period of time where radio talent is going to be valued in a way that they haven't been valued since the 1970s. Um, Because talent has so many different opportunities, you know, when when we were kids, you know, um, and I don't know, you're probably younger than me, Lloyd, but you know, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, one of the things that you had that was a hard, fast barrier to entry, you couldn't put up a radio station. You could, you know, you could be maybe a ham operator, but you had to go get a license. You could maybe, for an, about an hour and a half, there was that CB craze and everybody was on CB, but that's not broadcasting. Right. Um, and so you had to be hired by a radio station to be on the air. That's not true anymore. You can start a podcast in about an hour and a half with uh, a mic from Best Buy and your cell phone. So the barrier to entry has come down. Now, the good news about that is the barrier to entry is down but really good talent still stands head and shoulders above the rest because everybody else just are just hobbyists so you know i think with broadcasting with podcasting with the advent and it's slowing down it slowed down a little bit with supply chain issues and pandemic and everything but as this advancement toward connectivity in the car moves forward and it's inevitable it's like the glacier coming down the side of the mountain it's it may be slow but it's inevitable. Um, Fred Jacobs in a presentation last week, uh, th- their their survey, I think it was 33,000 P1s, radio station P1s, the number one thing they want in their car is a Bluetooth. And so once that happens, and we see more Android Auto, and we see more uh, Apple CarPlay, what's gonna end up happening is, it's gonna be frankly easier for you to find a show, a talent, a personality that you want to listen to and it won't matter whether they're in your market or not. You're going to find a podcast that you want to listen to and it won't matter what time of the day because the podcast is a completely on demand medium. Well, so, and
0: we've seen uh, this with Netflix, we've seen it with Amazon, we've seen it with uh, what? HBO Max?
1: With all of this, I mean, if you go back you know, go back a few years and you see and use HBO for an example. And it's, you know, it starts with these, these smaller shows. It's, you know, the dream Ons of the, of the world. And then it's the Sopranos and sex in the city. And then it's game of Thrones and succession. And those things get bigger and bigger and create more demand for people to go get those services. And I yes. think we saw that on the podcast side. We saw that with Serial, where all of a sudden, you know, there was a bump in people having interest in podcasts because of Serial, This American Life. And I think, you know, I, I think we're getting there. Smartphones I, are ninety percent of people's hands now. It's just a matter of getting that smartphone to connect to the car seamlessly.
0: Well, there's something else too, and it must be pointed out to anybody who's thinking about going down this path. And and look, the people that really have the talent and the really the people who really have the confidence to do it, they're not going to be stopped by what I'm about to say, okay? But there's also distribution, which is a big help in terms of getting a platform or getting enough people to know about you. That's a big deal. That still has to occur, uh, it's just like, you know, anybody can put out music now, but uh, the purpose of the record label is still marketing those mm-hmm. products and making That's, those products famous. That absolutely. is still a huge, huge deal.
1: It's a huge deal. And you know, if you're already, to use your term, famous, yes. then you have a, a huge leg up on your competitors because no doubt. getting to famous is, especially if you don't have terrestrial radio today, um, getting to famous is, is tough. It's it's the number one conversation at all the podcast conferences. How do I get more? How do I get more listeners? How do I get more downloads? Well, um, it, it's hard. It takes a lot of work to get those additional listeners to get more subscribers or whatever the metric is that you want to use. Um, because discovery is the you know, go to go to Apple and go look up a podcast on Twitter right. and there's ten thousand. So, I mean, almost so, any category, there's 10,000 of them. So look, so, this takes me back
0: to that original thing, which is radio during this period of time, between now and ubiquitous everything, okay, mm-hmm. it's our big opportunity.
1: Because Absolutely.
0: radio has a powerful opportunity, and you think that's where the future is?
1: We have the megaphone. We have the megaphone. So if you're, if you're, if you're able to capitalize on that today, then it's just easier down the road when this becomes more ubiquitous because you're you're already you know you're already doing it you're already you're already halfway there so to speak because of the ability to use radio as a giant megaphone to to draw listeners
0: That's it. Well, Tony, I got to tell you, it's fun to talk to you always. I I think, gosh, how can I get people to know how amazing Tony is? And of course, you just have to experience him for yourself. I hope you will stick around for a a few potential questions, maybe from the audience. Does that sound fair to you? Sure, absolutely. All right, so I'll ask you to go on mute for just a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look, You can get more free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series. Uh, inside the blog at RainmakerPathway.com anytime. We're here to encourage radio pros at all levels. Also, don't forget to save this date, April fourteenth, 2022. That is coming up this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we're calling this event, by the way, on this Thursday. Getting higher sales now in a crowded market. It comes at a great time for you if you're selling radio or selling audio. This event will feature sales consultant Alec Drake from Drake Media Group in Dallas and two on the ground experts, Dave Deutsch who is the president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney, who's the vice president of Capital Broadcasting. These are two real experts developing revenue on the ground in their markets for their radio stations, their clusters, and their companies. And they are going to share with you directly how to boost your Q2 and remaining 2022 revenue. April 14th. That's this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Clubhouse app. Tony, I do have some questions uh, from folks through our IM portal. Uh, and uh, well, this ought to be really interesting. Do you feel strongly that more talent will own their own rights and own their shows outright in the future?
1: Um, I think if they're smart, they will. I think that... Um, I think that they have to take that leap of betting on themselves. And I think that those who um, have a vision for that and those who have, frankly, the intestinal fortitude.
0: Well, it takes a lot. So, doesn't
1: it? it does take a lot. And I will tell you that, you know, five years ago, I just found somebody the other day, when we started Now Media, it was like getting hit with a fire hose because we had workman's comp, we had insurance with all these things. Even though there's a company of only five people, we had all these startup things that we had to work through. Oh yeah. So it's not, you know, it, it, I think it's worthwhile, um, and I, I and I hope to answer the question. I hope that more talent will do it, but there are also a number of people out there who just they just want the paycheck. Yep. They just want the paycheck, and they don't want to mess around with this other stuff. And I don't think that's a great decision, but it's their decision to make.
0: That's right. So, listen, uh, this this next question I have for you is kind of sort of related to the first one. It'll be interesting to see how you feel about this, too, because there's been a lot of talk about this, even on the radio rally. In your opinion, will local radio become more and more syndicated?
1: <laughs> um i challenge the premise of the question do tell so the premise of the question is that the way way i hear that now i'm jaded the way i hear that is that syndication is bad
0: no i'm not saying that i'm saying i am i let's call it a neutral question do you think radio would become more and more syndicated by the way just to be clear syndicated is not bad local is not bad
1: Correct. Here's what bad bad is bad. That's right. Bad radio is bad. And I think right. that, you know, just because it originates from the corner of 5th and Elm doesn't mean it's good. And so to answer the question more directly, I think that there is a place for syndication. I Absolutely. think that smart smart broadcasters will use syndication tactically and maybe strategically as well, but tactically. And uh, and that, yeah, I think there is gonna be more of it um, because right now we're not doing a very good job of training young talent. Yes. And so, um, so it, it, you know, it, given the combination of the economics of the industry right now, and the fact that we don't have a lot of young talent coming up, um, I think, yeah, I think you're gonna see more stations uh, using syndication um, there has been a, an, an explosion, in my opinion, an explosion of syndication, uh, new shows that are out there in the last probably two to three years, again, because of the technology, because you're no longer wired um, or mired in satellite technology, which was all we had for three decades. Yeah. Now you've got FTP technology, which is much more convenient and much less expensive than, uh, than you know shipping something to a satellite uplink.
0: That's correct. And I will say this, just as, just as there is no bad this and there's no bad that local or syndicated, uh, there is bad depending on how you use things. So if you're only doing things to save money and reduce footprint, then I'm going to say that's bad. If you are doing it because you want better talent, then that's a very good use.
1: Exactly right. Exactly. Right. If the only reason you're doing it is, you know, we used to have a, a joke, one of the places I worked at, I found, it, found a great guy who works cheap. Yeah. If that's your attitude, then it doesn't matter whether you go syndicated or local, you're going to lose.
0: Well, because what you're doing is developing a poor brand.
1: Right. Because all you're worried about is the financials. And the financials are important. But if you put a good product out there and you sell it properly, it will succeed.
0: Well, listen, thank you for being so open and patient with us, especially during the technical difficulties. We do try to keep things to about an hour. Uh, I do want to thank everyone for joining us every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know somebody you would like to hear as a guest on the Radio Rally, you can email me directly, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope that you have a great week. Like we like to say at Rainmaker Pathway, And on the Radio Rally, once you have a radio station, you can have anything else you want. Have trouble figuring out what that means? Call me. I'll be glad to share it with you. We want to thank our special guest for this live event and podcast, Tony Garcia for being our patient and giving guest, A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should be available shortly. uh, And of course, we'll be sharing it in social media soon as well. And thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, With others that you know who are interested in growing their careers in audio, subscribe for free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and, of course, almost anywhere you get your podcast. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from today, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the radio rally and the encouragers, and good night.